At approximately 5.15 p.m. on May 10th in 1967, three boys ages 11, 13, and 14 explore a cave near their house in Mark Twain's hometown of Hannibal, Missouri. Brothers Billy Hogue, Joel Hogue, and friend Craig Dow are never seen again. Making the case go cold for over 50 years. Using the facts from 1967, we reopen the case for the lost boys of Hannibal. Hey, hey, there's only the devil to pay. I'm ready to go, going down from below. Give me a place I can lay. Welcome back to the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast. I'm your host, Frankie Cambaletta, and with me, still and always, Chris Ketters. Hi, Chris. How are you? Not with you, though. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Great. I'm testing my sound over here, so I'm going to say, that's awesome. Outstanding, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's how we do it. That's how we... That, it was funny, because that's how exactly we were doing it. We were testing our audio, and all, all Frankie kept saying was, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, sound like, I sound, so, I sound yeah, like we, my partner Jeremy King. I get awesome from him a lot. So uh, that's awesome. Uh, um, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, welcome back to the show. I know you guys are getting two shows like every Monday. Like wow, everybody in podcast land with COVID is like not even producing, and the Lost Boys of Hannibal seem to just keep producing. So we are we are keeping this rhythm alive, and it's a lot thanks to my co-host over here, Chris Ketters, who. Not only went down a rabbit hole with research, but actually picked up a book on on Charles Ray Hatcher that opened up the conversation even more and even in depth. So we have some redactions. We have some things to add to the conversation. So basically, we're giving you kind of a review of last week's podcast while simultaneously giving you more information about one of the leads that we have, one of our suspects, I think that ranges, I think you're at 15%, Chris, I think you said on your charts. Yeah, something like that, 15, 16%. Okay, yeah. so right around 15%. Uh, so this is an interesting podcast today because you're going to learn more about, uh, I guess, Charles Ray Hatcher, the early years. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah yeah the early years and the 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 not so early years as well but um i do want to point out it, it uh the book is uh by terry ganny and it's called saint joseph's children a true story of terror and justice and again it was one of those things where we thought we had everything covered and i came across this book and i was like let me check it out and uh so luckily you know if you've ordered anything online in the last couple weeks it seems like it takes a while for it to get here uh some reason or another this came within like four days and uh frankie can contest i i actually sat and like i got it on on monday at about noon and i finished the book at like monday at about monday or actually tuesday morning about 1 30 in the morning i couldn't put the darn thing down so book. it was a really good book. he's texting me the whole time i'm like are you gonna finish that book he's like yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, definitely so, so yeah we have a fun packed show for you guys today and don't get used to this like weekly stuff okay we're gonna go 
we're not going to be back for two weeks. We got to talk to our uh, forensic psychologist. We have a meeting with him. We're going to send him some questions. We're going to get him ready. That's going to be a really fun show. That'll be episode five on the Lost Boys of Hannibal Network. <laughs> now that we're solo. <laughs> And, and Frankie, you, you had such such a good ending. I always praise you on your I endings know, of, of podcast, and, and we messed it up. Well, it's not that uh, we messed so. it up. I mean, I think that we've always done our due diligence, and we redact our stuff. And in this case, with Charles Ray Hatcher, there's more to the story there. There's, there's a lot more to the story, and I think that it would behoove us to uh, be consistent with the stuff that we've done in the past and, and just go into it a little bit more, uh, which brings up the discussion groups, which have caught fire recently. Uh, so if you're not a part of our discussion group, make sure that you are just asking to be a member and you get approved right away. There's a couple admins in there that can approve you right away. We just ask that be as passionate as you possibly can, but remember that this is a this is a space where everybody's trying to, we all have the same objective and the same end goal uh, to find what happened to the three boys. So keep that at the front of your priorities. And if you get passionate with somebody, remember that respect is key. And, and that's all I'll say about that. I think that there's some, been some great debates and I think it's awesome because it's all about fact and sharing knowledge. So uh, continue to, to jam on there and me and Chris will chime in when we can. Uh, we like to just basically see an organic growth of those conversations. So we don't want to be, yeah. you know, we don't want to be telling people like we're the authorities. We're really not. We're, we just, we you know, we have a week in front of you guys. We have a couple weeks in front of you and I'm sure you guys are doing your own research. And so uh, Rick, one of the guys yeah. sent us a beautiful picture that's on our Facebook right now. And it's this really cool picture of, I think it looks like Karis going into the caves. So we've gotten some great stuff on our Facebook. So make sure you're reaching out there. Make sure you're following us. Okay. On, uh, on, on all the different uh, networks like Facebook, and most of you guys are. If you're not, it's uh, Hannibal's Lost Boys, Lost Boys of Hannibal. You can find those two things. We have two links. And then on the Instagrams at Lost Boys of Hannibal, uh, that's gotten really good. We're over 100 uh, members now, 100 followers, which is awesome. We post our episode stuff. Sometimes we post some pictures. Uh, we're going to get more interactive with that as the year progresses. And anything else, Chris, I'm leaving. I think you wanted to do some reviews. Well, I will in just a second. There is a couple things I want to add on here. The With the discussion group, you do get two questions, and I'll go ahead and tell everybody I did decline our first person. Uh, so, uh, And that reason was, was because the answers were a little bit questionable. <laughs> I don't remember exactly what they were, but they weren't something that seemed like they were, they were trying to like, I don't know if they were trying to, what the word catfish or what the, what the word would be us. Um, so keep that in mind to keep it you know when you if you are joining the discussion group please answer those questions because it gives us an idea first of all of of how you heard about us and then secondly um it gives us an idea if uh you've uh, been listening or that you have listened to the podcast so so keep those those two things in mind and also you, you mentioned if you're not on the discussion group one of the cool things i appreciate the most is when we get get a new person i've said this before is we get a new person and i approve that person and within like 15 minutes there's a post that's made yeah, by that person great. which is so cool um and that's the things i really we i know frankie is the same way is that we love to see those because it gets us thinking when we get an outside perspective you get kind of a different view of of what other people are thinking that helps us in our progress of trying to get these answers figured out and maybe look down different rabbit holes than than what we're used to so uh keep that in mind yeah if you if you have a thought you're you're sitting there and 
time your your car or truck or your you know you're at work right now probably at home but if you're at work you're you know if you have a thought or a process get on that discussion group and, and present it nobody's going to judge you uh, everybody has their input and um we definitely appreciate that outside look so so keep that in mind awesome uh so let's uh, can i you want me to do the review yeah now? go ahead yeah, so we got uh, two reviews on uh, on iTunes, which we're going to go ahead and call you guys out uh, because these are such good reviews, and we appreciate that. Always love, we're, we're still a five-star review. We're still at five stars on our podcast with 66 reviews right now, so that is great. But uh, give a shout-out to Iron Wings Art, and I'll read it real quick. Thank you so much for your awesome podcast. I live in St. Louis, West County, and I remember when the boys disappeared. It's always been such a mystery, and I didn't really appreciate the twists and turns. Fascinated by the information you've come up with. So excited that you're going to continue the podcast, and I wish you well with your growth in the future. After listening to your info, I am of the opinion the boys may have met with foul play. Let's hope it was not Burdella. Thanks again. <laughs> and... Yeah, we've pretty much agreed with you that we 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 he's off my list now. If you heard last week's episode, Bradella is off the percentage yeah. list. So, um, so yeah, so that's uh, good. But we appreciate that. One other real quick one: Pab's Breast uh, Press gave a five star review too. Says really enjoy this pro- podcast. I live about an hour outside of Hannibal and only recently heard of these three missing boys after we went to the top of Lover's Leap and saw the memorial plaque. So keep up the great work. Yeah, yeah, great. So um, yeah, we were just uh, ironically, Frankie, uh, just a couple days ago. Uh, the misses and I went. Uh, we're waiting on pizza at a pizza place in Hannibal, and we had a fifty minute wait for our pizza to get picked wow. up. So we started driving around. We drove around the south side and went up to Lover's leap and there's a there was a ton of people up there at that time uh so yeah it's uh really great up there to see that stuff and see that plaque and kind of as all every time frankie i go to hannibal i always spend i'll always go to the south side every single time doesn't matter if i'm going to lowe's or i got a doctor's appointment or what it might be i'm always going to the south side and spending a few minutes just like imagining okay what am i missing yeah exactly so if you're in hannibal i just i suggest you do the same go and check out these places we're talking about take a look think about what it would be like in 67 uh, and and get the uh, get the idea yeah i think it's yeah, it's. I actually miss being in Hannibal. Um, I, we would have probably been there a couple times this year. Now had, you know, the world would have been the normal that we knew, and now it looks like you know we're we're past the peak and things are, I guess, somewhat returning to normal. I think there's a lot of skeptics on both sides, so we're really hoping that it it, it does return to the greatness that we that we knew Hannibal could be with with all the. You know, with spring coming and now summer coming, I mean, those are their big months, you know, so really hoping that, you know, all this stuff kind of turns the tide and we can get back in there and start filming and stuff. But, you know, at the end of it, I think that we're really, really happy and honored to have so many listeners and watching, you know, the John Wayne Gacy episode being the top 10 now is awesome. I also want to thank the one Patreon we have. We have one Patreon. (laughs) <laughs> which is awesome um it, yeah, yeah and it doesn't matter all those proceeds will go well 10 i think 10 or 20 percent is going to go to missing kids and then the other is going to go to all the equipment and the search and search stuff and cadaver dogs and hopefully down the line would be the, the you know the ground penetrating radar so we have we have stuff in scope for that so if you're interested in that go to patreon and look up the lost boys of hannibal and you can donate whatever you want you can donate a dollar if you want it doesn't matter um it's not something that we ask but we love that people are still doing it anyway thank you so much we're calling you guys um (laughs) 
uh, the fluffle is what I'm calling it because <laughs> the fluffle. Yes, the, the fluffle is basically if you want to be part of the fluffle, you have to donate at least a dollar to our Patreon. Um, and the fluffle is a group of bunnies, and so because we're always in rabbit holes, I felt that <laughs> I <laughs> <There> felt <it> <laughs> <is>. <laughs> I felt that the fluffle was a great name for the people that are trying to continue to support the show. So join the fluffle at Patreon. <laughs> And well, and, and let's make our first uh, our first little uh, indication that you know technology. The word technology has been used a lot uh, in our podcast, and even when we've done stuff uh, on TV stations and radio stations, and and we've made our first inquiry about some technology. So that's super exciting that we're going. We're finally give you a little peek behind the curtain. We're finally making those contacts of trying to trying to set some stuff up for the future. So um, that's super exciting, Frankie. I don't know how you feel about. It. I'm sure you feel about the same. I do, and I think that like here's like you know people that have businesses in Hannibal. We definitely want to help you guys out as well. So if you're interested in being a sponsor, just like email us, and we can we can talk, we can negotiate and stuff like that. Especially now in the economic downturn, you know if you guys need to know or get something out there, and me and Chris will definitely more than likely help you guys out as well. And then when things return to normal, we would love to have our local go in first. You know, it's nice to have. You know, all the freshly and the mattresses and all that stuff that everybody else usually does. But it's also nice that we can promote local business in and around the Hannibal area, even in St. Louis and stuff like that would be great. So if you guys are interested in that, just give us an email, give us a shout out and uh, we'll definitely just talk to you guys. And I know you've never said, you said, we're not going to bring this up anymore, but I'm going to bring this last thing up <laughs> because I feel like it's pretty important. And that's that we finally surpassed the 25,000 mark on our downloads. Yeah, we could do that. Which is super exciting. Although I was on two podcasts this week that are launching <laughs> this week coming. So I'm excited about that. I, they just wanted me on. I have a really amazing publicist. Julie Lally is incredible. She, she, I... I call her, I said, hey, I really want to promote Lost Boys of Hannibal, what can we do? And she does all my film stuff and everything else. She's like, let me see what I can do. And I think I've been on three different shows in the last couple of weeks promoting Lost Boys of Hannibal. So right now, if you're back at home and you just want to kind of know what we're looking at, we're going, every month we got about four to 5,000 downloads. And that's, that's pretty huge. Uh, especially if you, you know, the sponsors and stuff that are out there, they're looking for that. They're looking for those averages. Like a lot of people are getting through that show and we can roadblock stuff and, and all that different, you know, avenues of marketing and stuff. And like, what, like me and Chris said, it, it, it costs a lot to do investigations. It costs more to do film. So this is not, you know, our, uh, what, what is it like the NPR thing where you, <laughs> where you vouch for a hundred bucks or whatever. We're not trying to make this a, like a, like a, like a fun. <laughs> this isn't PBS drive, is it? Right. And, um, and it is tough right now with everything else. So we appreciate everyone that is, uh, you know, helping us in any way. And like I said, there are bigger and better things right now with, you know, and more important things right now. So those things yeah. are available to you guys. Uh, and that's all I'll say about that. I mean, I will say, so we mentioned that we just passed 25,000 downloads. I think that we make a goal of not mentioning it again on the podcast till we hit a hundred thousand. So tell your friends hundred thousand <laughs> when we hit a hundred thousand, we'll bring it up. Yeah. Right. hundred thousand downloads. Wow. That's a big day. A big day for us. That should be, that should be, that should be about three weeks away. We're fine. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> No, we did also uh, also uh, we had a couple shows that were supposed to be at some podcasts, true crime events that happened in KC and all that stuff. All had to cancel. The Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast ended up donating the money that we gave to have our seat and our reservation to the cause. So we we 
I, th- I don't know what we spent, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks or whatever to be on those conferences. And instead of asking for a refund, we've decided to give that money to the conference so they have something for next year. Uh, we didn't want to take their money because we know how that is because we put on events all the time. So we've done that with a couple film festivals and we've done that for them as well. So it's just the option that we're doing. We don't want to, you know, we don't, we're, we're okay right now. So we wanted to donate that to, to that cause. It's a really cool true crime podcast and we really hope that it happens uh, next year. So just thought I'd bring that out there. Awesome. So are you ready to move on? We got a lot to cover. Yep, today's we sure episode. do. And I think people are going to love it. It's all about, Charles Ray Hatcher, who has become yeah. the forefront of, uh, from a usual suspect standpoint, from somebody that was a known serial killer versus you know our local you know local possibilities. This is probably good. So I'll have you kick it off, man. I mean, you're leading this. Yeah, and again, I want to give a shout out to, to Terry Ganny, and uh, he is the author of the book of St. Joseph's Children. He actually worked, I believe, in St. Louis uh, for the, I believe it was the Post-Dispatch he worked for for quite a few years, and uh, he w- became very interested in this case. In this book, uh, you cannot buy it directly on Amazon. You had to buy it through, like, you know, uh, these sellers, when you have that these sellers thing on Amazon. Uh, but, I mean, in this book, I think with shipping, it was like seven bucks, so you, you can definitely pick it up and i highly suggest you want to learn more about charlie hatcher that you do that because this book was this book opened my eyes for sure and and let us down some different things so yeah let's get into it yes sir all right so we start off with um i'm kind of going to go through some of the stuff that we missed and then we'll get into more about how it relates because i think after reading this book there's some more connections to our boys that i i want to dig in some more to so the first thing i want to tell about is the 1959 you obviously know about this we talked about it at the last episode but that was the first attack on a child it, it happened uh, to a st louis newspaper delivery kid so that was the very first um, uh, potential attack uh, he did get arrested for that and uh so so keep that in mind but then a second uh in september 20th 1965 he was sentenced to five years in the missouri state pen for a burglary and, and again as we mentioned in the last episode he was real well known for being a car thief and a burglar um and then the molestation the child molestation thing kind of played in there as well and then in 1967 he was sentenced to kansas state pen for one to five years for a theft in kansas city kansas and he escaped from a prison farm in in august of 1969 so that kind of gives you a little bit of again we talked a lot about last episode that kind of fills in a few of the blanks we didn't have from the previous episode uh for for charlie hatcher but now we get into something that i kind of messed up on the last episode and that was talking about the antioch and san francisco california abductions and frankie one of the things that you brought up in this was that you know, he kept bringing up, he's like, well, you, he hasn't killed anybody yet. He hasn't killed anybody yet. Yep. But that wasn't true. And, and I was I was mistaken because Wil- William Freeman, he was abducted and killed in Antioch. And that happened in 1969. And we, that's something we brought up in the last episode that, that, you know, he hasn't killed anybody. Well, he did. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I want to pull up. I'm actually looking directly at the book right now. Uh, that happened on August 28th of 1969. And then on August 29th of 1969, he was arrested under the name Albert Price for sodomizing a five-year-old boy in San Francisco, California. So, Frankie, that happened in two days. Jesus. So he killed on the August 28th, and then he was arrested for sodomizing a five-year-old boy in, ninth, or in August 29th. That's insane because California at this point, at this time period, is being ravaged by 
all types of serial killers. You got Zodiac out there. You got the Charles Manson family that's about to start up. You got the Golden State Killer. You got the Night Stalker. Like, here's another one. It's just really sad for, you know, a state that I that I truly truly love. I love California. I think there's some beautiful, great people, great great towns and stuff like that. And to see like all this befall them in this area is crazy. And, and, and now that you're mentioned like San Francisco again. It's like Jesus. Like it's 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 nuts that all this was happening all at the same time. But uh, totally uh, real. See the thing with Charles Ray Hatcher is what I'm getting from you is that he was a smart, very manipulative person. Yeah, and we'll talk about that later. Is that the FBI profile and it's in this book, which I it's great. But the FBI did an actual profile on him and then what to look for in other people like him. Uh, and it talks about him being super manipulative. And, and he another thing you'll see is that he uses the environment to get what he wants. So, for example, he will he will say that he is a um, he'll say that he is a security guard at a grocery store and then try abducting a boy from that grocery store and say, and you did this, you know, we know what you did. Come with me. And he'll take him out the back door. And that happened. Um, so those are that's that's what you're looking at when, when you're looking at that hatcher so again and not only that with uh, the manipulative but he was also very manipulative with the legal system and that's something that we learned new about this is that uh, when he was in California he what he would do was he would act crazy and so he would act crazy as in like uh, when he got arrested, like he was out of his mind. So the judge thought, oh, this dude's crazy. We're going to send him to a mental hospital. When he gets to the mental hospital, he's like, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. And so the psychologist at the mental hospital is like, all right, well, we're going to send you back to trial. As soon as he goes back to trial, he goes to back in front of the judge. He starts acting crazy again. So the judge is like, all right, well, we're going to have you do a psychological exam with another psychologist to see if you're fit for trial. And he would do stupid and be psychotic in front of that judge and then he gets sent back down to the mental hospital because that he did that for three years in a row <laughs> so he kept doing that to where he he just kept going back and forth because he was trying to play the system and it ended up working because he ended up finally they finally sent him to prison and it wasn't by the judge uh, what and he got really upset about this because they got to the point where they sent him to prison because they couldn't. They were like, "We we can't do anything for you." So he didn't even go in front of a jury on this. He went straight to prison. But California at that time came up with a new law that said that if you already you already had so much time being held um, in jail or in a mental hospital, that counted towards your total time. <clears throat> so what ended up happening was he already had all this time used because he was manipulating the system in the mental health system. And so he ended up getting out of there. Uh, he was only in the prison for like six months, which may, might not have been that much. Insane. It feels like the but, most vicious of these killers never really served any time. Look at John Wayne Gacy serves like 16 months. This one's going in and out, mm -hmm. you know, since he's 59. So it, it's just nuts and he was really scared and i don't really talk about this a whole lot but this was one of the times where he was really nervous because uh he he narked when he was at missouri state pen uh for one of his sentences i believe it was the 65 sentencing he narked on another inmate and that is you don't want to be a snitch in prison nope. um and he was and so this guy had a lot of influence 
uh, he was trying to escape. That is what's happening. And, and so Hatcher told on him. And so he was worried because when he was in this prison in California, he was worried that the guy that he snitched on was going to have connections in California to have him killed in California once he found out he was there. Um, so that's why he was wanting to get his butt out of prison as soon as possible because he was afraid he was going to get he was going to get offed by one of these one of these you know helpers of this guy. So very it's crazy, but um, yeah. So and you'll see throughout the case he he is. He wasn't. He never graduated high school, um, but he is a very smart man, and you'll see this as we go through the rest of this. Okay, let's keep going. Um, this, yeah. So this book again is called Saint Joseph's Children. The reason it's called Saint Joseph's Children is because a lot of his activity happens in Saint Joseph, Missouri. We mentioned the last episode that is um, about. It's actually some people consider St. Joseph a suburb of Kansas City, but technically it's a little bit farther north. I think you have to drive about forty-five minutes to an hour from Kansas City to get to St. Joseph. Uh, so, uh, so that's kind of the area that we're focusing. Well, on. just just for other this, viewers, because we have a big Texas audience and California audience, what what is that? What is the distance between Hannibal and St. Joseph? Just so they know, like where we're at. I don't know exact mileage. Uh, you're taking Highway 36, which we've talked about in other episodes. You're taking that straight across. So Hannibal Highway 36 goes straight through Hannibal. It goes straight straight through Monroe City. Uh, it goes all the way straight across to St. Joseph, straight into St. Joseph. And so it is a three-hour drive. I do know that from Google Maps. Okay. Doing the speed limit is a three-hour drive from Hannibal to Kansas City, and again, or to St. Joseph. And St. Joseph is is not extreme northwest Missouri, but it is northwest Missouri. That we're looking at so we move on to eric christian and i do like this name his his last name is is christian like you know you would think it's spelled you know t-i-a-n like most christians are but this one's spelled c-h-r-s-t-g-e-n so jen at the interesting end. he was abducted and murdered in may 27th of 1978 he was um a young boy uh, just real quick to give you a background story on this. He ended up, um, he was with the babysitter. They went to the shopping mall to go get something. There was a playground in front of the shopping mall. And the kid, which I think he was five years old. I, I didn't write that down. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but I believe he was around five years old. He decided he wanted that he really, really wanted to play in the, in the, uh, um, in the playground area so the the babysitter left him at the playground area and ran into the store she was gone five minutes came back out and he was nowhere to be found uh they searched he was four years old actually i believe uh so yeah there it is so uh so what happens was they searched and searched for him they searched the whole area uh long story short they end up finding him uh, i believe it was a day later and uh, ends up that he is, uh, of course, he, he died. Um, he looks like he was molested. Uh, they ended up, again, we talked about this last time, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later down the road, but uh, the guy named Melvin Reynolds was uh, charged with the murder, ended up going to prison for that. So uh, they thought they had this thing locked up. And again, if you read the book, it's it goes into great detail about that. Um, but we'll come back to that a little bit later. So let's kind of keep going on the storyline, the timeline again, just to kind of clear this up a little bit more. May of 1979, uh, Hatcher was arrested as Ron Springer for an assault and attempted murder of a seven-year-old boy. 
Uh, these assault charges were dropped, and he was committed to, guess what, a health center. He was discharged a year later. This is also the first time that he used an alias, and, and I think in all in all, he used an alias about seven, he has about seven different aliases Ooh. that he uses throughout his time. This comes into play because he's able to actually manipulate the system in another way, because in 1960s, it's, you don't, again, we don't have what they call the mule system. In Missouri, it's called the mule system, where you put a name in and it's going to tell you aliases, it's going to tell you the person's information, all that stuff. It's 1960s, they don't have that stuff. Or 1970s, they don't have that stuff. So he's using different names. October 1980, he was arrested under the name Richard Clark for attempting to sodomize a 17 year old boy in Lincoln, Nebraska. Again, he gets sent to a mental health facility discharged within one month <laughs> so he spends a month there and gets discharged wow. uh, again just going down to quickly on the line january 1981 he's arrested for a knife fight in des moines in june of 1981 he stabs a 30 year 38 year old man along the banks of the mississippi river near rock island in july of 1981 he was arrested under the name of richard clark again for attempting to abduct an 11 year old boy from bettendorf iowa bettendorf is uh is part of the quad city so davenport uh it's it's western illinois eastern iowa area if you're not familiar with where the quad cities is at uh, the charges were dropped. Hatcher was committed to a mental health facility, and he was discharged in May of 82. So I, I lost count already, Frankie, how many of <laughs> mental health it's, facilities it's, he's been you know, in. It's part of the problem, and, and I guess there would be a, a big rectification of mental health facilities after this, you know, in, in the late 80s and 90s, where we have seemed to have lost a lot of the mental, mental health facilities. And a lot of that came with, you know, you have somebody that's gaming the system, Right, you know, you can't. You you can look at some cases in somebody's side inside somebody's mind and be like, all right, they're hearing voices. We know that you can see it on a CAT scan now. Um, there, th there's an auditory sensor that goes off when a voice is being, you know, going off in their head. And he claimed, he claimed that that was part. He at one point in time did claim that he was hearing voices, and we'll get later on to once he actually is arrested and people figure out what's going on. The FBI figures out what's going on, and that he does fall back to that. And, and there's some interesting items in that we'll, we'll hopefully yeah. get to. Uh, talk I'll let about. you keep going. So, yeah, yeah. Let me keep going. So we're we're talking about 1982 now. Great year, by the way. Uh, July 27, 1982. He attempted to abduct a 19-year-old female from a downtown mall in St. Joseph. So now we're in 82. He is back in St. Joseph after he's been from California. He spent some time in uh, Nebraska, and then Iowa and Illinois, and now he's back home in St. Joseph. Uh, so this is July 27th. He attempted to abduct a 19-year-old female from downtown mall, as I mentioned. July 28th, so one day later, he attempts to abduct a 10-year-old boy from a shopping center in St. Joseph. Attempted. He wasn't successful. The next day, July 29th, 1982, abducted and murdered Michelle Steele, an 11-year-old girl in downtown St. Joseph. So now he's kind of so mixing it up. Now there's females involved. Yeah, and, and and we'll see later in the psychological report that he says that it, it doesn't matter. It was it could be male, it could be female. In his opinion, his his he said he had an urge, and, and the urge would rev up every so often, and, and it would. It, sometimes it was within a day, and sometimes it took a month that he had to kill. And, and going back to we mentioned earlier, the thirty eight year olds. Well, actually, you know, we'll talk about that coming up in a second. Uh, 
So the next day, so that was July 29th with Michelle Steele's murder. July 30th, he checks himself into the St. Joseph State Hospital under the name Richard Clark, and then he's charged. They put two and two together, This who this guy is. Not that he, they know at this time that he is Charlie Hatcher, but they realize that with some eyewitness testimony that that Charles is, that this guy is the guy that murdered Michelle Steele. And so they charge him with first-degree murder on August 3rd, so just a few days later. So he's in prison now. Okay, wow. Frankie? Uh, oh, he's in jail, I should say. For once. Not in prison. Yeah. yeah. So we go forward to May 2nd of 1983, and we'll call him, which is really interesting in the book, even though we know it's Charlie Hatcher the whole time, the author always refers to him as by what name he's going by at that time. Interesting. So, yeah, it's really really cool way to do it. Um, you know it's it's Charlie Hatcher, but he uses Richard Clark in this situation. So, again, we're talking Richard Clark. He's in the jail, and on May 2nd, he hands a note to one of the officers asking for the FBI. He doesn't say anything. He just hands him a note and says, I want to talk to the FBI. It's, it's so weird that he's using a celebrity's name too, like especially a celebrity at that time. Oh, Dick Clark! Oh my God! Yeah. How did I never notice that till just now? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Because yeah. yeah, Dick is a is a nickname for Richard. So Richard Clark is would be Dick Clark, and Dick Clark is very big in the early eighties. He's a host, and he does game shows, and he's a he's a renowned superstar in in, in Hollywood, in California, where this guy's been. So interesting tie in there i don't know i just caught that so weird yeah great catch i did not notice that so he meets so the fbi they sent they contact the fbi there is actually a local office in saint joseph for the fbi and interesting enough the name of joe holtz log meets with hatcher the first time the next day i'm going to talk to you i got a couple things i want to bring up about this guy Uh, joe holtz log is his name uh, his name is spelled H-O-L-T-S-L-A-G. Uh, I'm going to give a shout out to a friend, and she is on our discussion group. Her name's Angela Remington. Her maiden name was Holschlag. It's spelled differently, but I wanted to talk to her about it real quick and say, am I pronouncing this right? Because it looks just like her name. Uh, she said it's Holtzlag, and actually her last name, which I've always called her by the log at the end she's like our name's actually supposed to be lag but everybody calls us by log and so i'm like you're officially going to be called holsch lag from now on so (laughs) shout out to angela (laughs) for that that's awesome uh yeah so i appreciate that the second part about uh holsch lag is that he was involved with the eric christensen abduction and murder back in 1978 oh wow full circle Uh, so so he was the when they found out about this and the interesting thing about this you can read this however you want to but the eric christian child that got abducted and murdered was from a very predominant family in saint joseph they were a pretty pretty wealthy family and they owned i can't remember exactly what they owned a business in town but they employed a lot of employees so there was a level of importance in 1978 to finding this child because of the status of the family at that time which is unfortunate it should be across the board obviously Uh, you know we all agree with that but 
in 70s, there's a little bit of emphasis of this person's important. we got to find this person, which, again, is very unfortunate that it came down that way. Anyway, uh, so they brought the FBI into this because they uh, were worried that it was an abduction. Typically, with abductions, the FBI doesn't have as much of an input on it. Uh, now, in current times, it's interesting because they do. Uh, when there's child abductions, the FBI can and does get involved sometimes with those. Uh, so, but back then, not so much. But anyway, the FBI got involved when they did a profile. So they weren't sure who the killer was. Again, it took forever for uh, Reynolds to get charged and convicted because he finally just gave up because he got harassed so much and said, yeah, I did it, whatever you want me to tell you, or whatever you want me to say to you, that's what I'll tell you. Um, but he always agreed. Hoshlag, uh, Holtzlag, sorry, I'm going to take me a while to get that right. Um, he always thought that they got the wrong person. And they he never felt that Reynolds was the right person. And part of the reason was because of the profile that was put out by the FBI. And another part of it was had to do with there was eyewitness testimony and I, an eyewitness that saw a guy that looked nothing like Reynolds <laughs> at all. And so he was like, well, that's that's not right. So, again, full circle. Uh, we'll get a little bit more into detail about that uh, coming up here in a second. So, anyway, going back to current day of 1983, uh, when Holtz Lag goes to talk with Richard Clark. Hatcher. He's, or, or Hatcher, yeah. Yeah, a.k.a. Charlie there Hatcher. He's... He wouldn't. He would not talk aloud. He would only communicate by writing responses. So uh, we'll call him Agent Joe right now. Agent Joe would ask him a question, and Hatcher would take his piece of paper, write it down in him. So he would not talk. And you think at first, okay, what what game is he playing here? Yeah. You know, he, he calls the FBI, and now he's only going to talk to him via writing things down so he does this because he doesn't trust the saint joseph police department and the sheriff's department listening in and recording yeah he thinks that they're going to put their they're they're playing a game and it has to do with the thought and the reason is that he hears that they actually arrested reynolds he didn't hear about it until like about two years after the actual conviction of Reynolds that they got this. And so he's always been a little bit worried about the St. Joseph Police Department and the Sheriff's Department that they are not to be trusted as, at all. <laughs> so so there's your reasoning why, okay? Unbelievable. So, but what he writes down is he goes in and says, well, he told, well, he wrote actually, he gave specific directions to a location in the Quad Cities near the river, and he didn't tell them what it was for. He said, go, you know, go down the river, go to this spot, go down the hill, turn right, and go 10 feet. And so he's like, I'm not going to tell you why, just go do it. So what happens is Agent Joe contacts the Davenport FBI office and says, I need you to go look at this area. What they go and do is they go down there and they find a dead body. So, Jesus, and this goes back to the one we were talking about from June of 1981, the 38 year old man along the banks of the Mississippi River. That was one of the the deaths. So the the reason that he does this because he wants to get the FBI's attention. And he says, here's a body. (laughs) 
<laughs> go, you know, here. And so he, he wanted to get their attention, and obviously it works. So, so wait, back me up. Yeah, the thirty-eight-year-old man that was fishing on the banks or doing something on the banks, he murders this guy, and then he keeps the body near the banks. So he doesn't. This is interesting. So he ends up telling later on. It's not at this point in time, but he ends up telling Agent Joe that. Um, he kills him. He stabs him because he has an urge to kill him. And he actually used to be buddies with this guy. And they go down. And this is like a, an area where they go down and they go, uh, like, the people that are, I don't want to say, what, poor or, or homeless, they go to this area and drink. This is, like, an area. So what happens is, is he's in Davenport, the Quad Cities. He kills the guy. He stays in Davenport for a few days. And he doesn't hear anything on the news that there's been anybody that's been killed. And so he goes back down to see if, if the body's like still there and so come to find out when he and this is kind of a little bit morbid so i apologize he stabs the guy 12 times uh and what happens is is he thinks he's dead the guy is not dead and he ends up crawling about 20 feet away and then ends up and ends up and ends up dying so he thought hatcher thought he was going to you know somebody was going to find him so nobody found him at this point in time so he ends up covering up with rocks and so then when you get down see that was 81 you go to three years later and the body is still there um unbelievable yeah so i don't know if that answers your question or not but um so that really goes into just how crazy this guy is Um, obviously that did get the FBI's attention. He also did think at that time that since it was across a state border that the FBI would have to be involved with it. And I, there was, I'm not sure exactly how that worked, but, um, that's not necessarily the case, I, I guess. Um, so anyway, so this brings him back. Obviously, uh, at this point in time, the FBI agent has to go back and he's like, all right, you got my attention now. So then on July 25th, Hatcher gave Holtzlog, or uh, excuse me, the only person he would talk to at that time, because Hatcher would not talk to anybody else. He was a, he gave them a written confession about the murder of Eric Christian. Okay, that yeah. was our boy from St. Joseph, uh, nineteen seventy-eight. The four-year-old. The four-year-old. Yeah. So the confession the confession was more detailed than what Reynolds was able to give four years earlier. Uh, it had details that. Reynolds had no idea about and now I do want to point out real quick Reynolds ends up taking quote-unquote taking these police officers and detectives to the location where he died however there was a ton of pictures taken by the St. Louis news or St. Joseph newspaper and so everybody knew the location so Reynolds knew the location but when he pointed out where the kid died at it was not where the kid where the kid was left at so Reynolds was was trying to take credit for this because what was his IQ or was this one of these forced confessions from the police department or great question both uh he was not a very intelligent man uh he his IQ I think they they said was in the like the 70s so he's a little bit below normal um so but the other part was was and again we talked about this I think the last episode they interrogated him on Valentine's Day I believe it was 19 uh probably 1980 that they they interrogated him for 14 hours straight and it got to the point where he was just uh, they were threatening him they were saying he was engaged at the time and they were saying to him like 
um, you know, you, is your wife gonna stay or your fiance? Is she gonna stay around if if you're going to prison? Is she gonna is she gonna wait for you? You know, they were doing that type of of thing, um, and so finally he got to the point where he's like, he's like, if that's what you want me to tell you, uh, that's what I did because he 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 believed that he was gonna get. It was going to not be as bad if he just went ahead and committed or admitted that he did it. And there's a thousand documentaries on Netflix about false confessions. So enjoy right. it. He's probably in one of them. Yeah, probably so. Uh, so, yeah, so he he's that's kind of his scenario. Now, with with Hatcher, Hatcher was able to do something that Reynolds was not. And Hatcher actually pointed out, which this caught christians and christian or excuse me uh agent uh holtzlog's attention was that he's like yeah there was a guy that was in a dump truck and i don't know if he was he was he was dumping stuff or he was he was putting stuff in the back of his truck but he saw me and that's what hatcher said and reynolds never said anything and that that was your one eyewitness going back to what uh, wow. the agent from the fbi said that we had that eyewitness that said he saw him that was the eyewitness uh, so that really kind of put the put the seal together. Uh, when Hatcher, he was sent in front of the judge, and he bled, pled guilty to Christensen's death. He was sentenced to 50 years in jail without the possibility of parole at that time. Uh, and he wanted to do it. And, and the reason was, uh, well, and I'll get to that. Actually, why? so why did he admit to the murders? And at the time, Hoshlog realized that Hatcher really wanted to. He was... He was too, uh, excuse me. He wanted to shame and embarrass the St. Joseph law enforcement, first of all, uh, for convicting an innocent man. Secondly, Hatcher also wanted to make the confession with the hopes that the prosecuting attorney would make it a capital crime, which could include the death penalty. He was really hoping and pushing for the death penalty. He wanted to be killed by the state. Okay? Unbelievable. Yeah. Um,. You know, there's some questions if there was remorse on Hatcher's part that that an innocent man was convicted of a crime that he committed, but he never admitted to that. And um, it was unsure if Hatcher was actually wanting to be killed or if this was some sort of new ploy. And that was something the district, uh, the prosecuting attorney for the, the county, uh, his name's Insko, uh, he was he thought he was playing him. And, and even up to when he admitted to it, he never believed it. But then it was finally that FBI profile that made that it pinpointed it was exactly hatcher his his profile matched exactly to what the the fbi profile for that that murder was for eric christensen uh back in the day and that was was one of the turning points interesting enough insco still alive he's a, a attorney in the uh northeast area northeast missouri or northwest missouri area i tried contacting him and had not been able to get in touch with him the reason i con wanted to contact him and we'll get into this more a little bit later is that he um he spent two years after this confession and after this um uh, this guilty plea of researching and backtracking hatcher's history and going through and actually finding out where he was at and that he was actually the one that connected the antioch murders uh the antioch murder back in what year is that um back in 69 he connected the san francisco murder he also was able to figure out that he was in lincoln nebraska trying to abduct kids he put all those pieces together so did he have a method i mean we're talking a lot about his victims and we're talking a lot about his convictions what was his method for killing them? Were, there, were they always different? Was it strangulation? Was it stabbing? Like, did he have different methods? 
Uh, that is a good question. He did. Um, the a lot of times it seemed like the 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 stabbings were towards adults, okay. and a lot of most of the time, and if not all the time, the the deaths of children were always by strangulation. Okay. And he actually does admit later on because. Um, I think it comes up in the Antioch case is that, well, no, no, I'm sorry. It comes up in the Christian, the Christian case is that they, and they thought the, the person who did the autopsy, the coroner thought that he was killed by suffocation by something being put in the child's mouth and choking him like that direction. Jesus. And I, I'm not going to get into detail what they thought you, you can go ahead and put your own conclusions on what that probably was. And you're, you're going to be right. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is though, <laughs> but there was always thought and Hatcher admits that he strangled them by choking them. But what he did was he made sure that when he did it, he did it to where it wouldn't leave marks because where he put his thumbs at on like where your Adam's apple is at, if you're a man, um, if you did that light enough to a child, supposedly it, it wouldn't show up. So that's that there was a contradiction with the Christian case, but that's what, that's what Hatcher admitted to. And he did that to the Antioch kid as well because they didn't find any bruises on his neck, but they knew for sure that he was suffocated, that he was strangled or suffocated. He died from asphyxiation. So does that answer that question? Yeah, it really does. Okay. I'm, I'm just, you know, when you read into a lot of these guys, they always have that. I mean, John Wayne Gacy even showed how he did it with the tourniquet style of strangulation, but just absolutely terrible this person was did he ever have yeah. i mean i let me get i guess you're going to wrap up here in a second here with all this right so got a I'll, few more things to yeah go through i'll let you quick. go through Let's that first that. before i fire away yeah. here yeah please i'm looking forward to that so we'll talk about michelle Steele real quick she the murder trial for michelle Steele didn't happen until september 1984 he was found guilty of murder he went during the sentencing hearing he went up on the um stand and he told the he said i want the death penalty i deserve to die let me let me let me be put to death when he gets off the stand the judge says to the jury disregard his statement <laughs> don't listen to him weird i don't know why but that was the what they responded to the jury sentenced him to 50 years in prison without parole just like before interesting thing about this i thought this was really interesting so this is 84 he admitted to the christian death got 50 years for that the jury was not aware about his sentencing of christian before that because his conviction took place after the murder of steel so the hmm. way it worked out was that the jury could not find out about his already 50-year prison sentence. I, I, it's really, I mean, it makes sense, um, kind of, uh, but they were not aware of that. They could yeah, not it's it's that. not it's not double jeopardy. It's uh, mm. you don't want to, but I guess his plea was never innocence. That weird that they did that. There was no he reason did, at that point. I mean, he did he did plead not guilty to oh. Michelle Steele. Because they wanted to go through the trial, because he would get, I think it's because you cannot be committed of a capital crime if you plead guilty. I think, um, and so he went the not guilty route. Then he had the option of getting the capital crime and then potentially getting the death penalty. Huh. I think there's a whole process there that you have to go through a jury trial if you're gonna if you're if they're looking for the. 
the death chair or you know uh, or, or or that direction so all right yeah yeah it's, <laughs> I, hope, I hope everybody's following and i know this is a lot to, to take it's a in, lot but it's definitely a lot it's it's yeah. just uh yeah let's just keep we'll, going yeah we'll get down to the nuts and bolts here in just a minute uh so just real quick, we mentioned this last episode, December 7th, 1984, he was found hanging in his cell at the Missouri State Pen. He is actually buried in 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 Jefferson City, Missouri, uh, so um, his family wanted nothing to do with him, so he has a, a communal bury area that he's buried in. So this is the new information. So this next section I want to get into real quick talks about how this stuff connects to our boys, and I'm sorry that we're plus 50 minutes into this and we're just now getting to that so hopefully you're able to stick with us in this um but it tells a good our backstory kind of leads into what we know now well it's true so, crime too i mean people are interested in in the ray hatcher as well i mean ray hatcher was a notorious serial killer so yes. it's very good information as far as like we are a true crime show so it's nice that we can overlap and interact with other you know killers uh, and to see that maybe there's some resolve there maybe there's something we need to look into so i i yeah. You know, I think it's a very clever and fun show if people want to like really understand how, you know, you know how bamboozled at at, at that time period, Chris. If you went be, beyond state lines and were killing different people, it was very hard to connect a lot, connect the dots without technology. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so let's go. Um, I just realized there's actually a decent amount here. Uh, so in 1959 was his first documented child attack. Uh, again, we mentioned Hatcher avoided prison five times in California using mental illness as his out, which is insane. Uh, no pun intended. During his attempted <laughs> abduction and molestations in Nebraska and Iowa in the late 70s and early 80s, none of the local jurisdictions fingerprinted Hatcher. How messed up is that? Unbelievable. Because they, because he was using that whole "I'm crazy" attitude, they were like, "Well, let's just send him to a mental health facility. We're not even going to worry about fingerprinting him." Um, if they would have submitted fingerprints to the FBI in Lincoln or uh, in Iowa, and that's Des Moines, they would have realized who he was right away. So instead, though, he played that insane card every time, which of course helped him you know, helped him get away with it. In Omaha alone, by the way, he was arrested for molesting a teenage boy, attempting to stab a seven-year-old, and fighting over payment for sex with a young man. And they never (laughs) fingerprinted him. And get this, in Des Moines, he attempted to stab a man, attempted to abduct an 11-year-old boy as well from a shopping mall, and he never got fingerprinted. Man. So that was, I, unfortunately, no, no. If there's Des Moines people or Omaha people out there listening, no, no disrespect to your city, but they messed up. Yeah, <laughs> truth. Uh, so let's get into the confessions real quick. Uh, and these are things I, in Frankie, I think you have a copy of these things in front of you as I well. I do. These are things I highlighted, in, and these are things Frankie mentioned earlier that I was so excited to read some of this stuff. I highlighted it in the book, and I sent a picture to Frankie at the same time. Um, this talks about uh, when they did, I believe, yeah, this is when they actually interviewed Hatcher. And so this, uh, I'm just going to read this here. Why did you give us the directions to the body? Talking about the guy in the Quad Cities. And he says, that's because it leads to another one like you just found. More than one, but I'm thinking about it. Okay, and this was written down. So this leads to more than one, just like you found. Um, then it goes on, um, 
that's because these effing states and city cops lie to effing much. I have more than one reason talking about why are you telling the FBI. And then it says, these other bodies you, that you refer to, this is a question, have they ever been found? And it says, I know that one of the bodies were found. I don't know if any of the others were or not. One of them should have been found, but I don't know for sure. I don't know just how far I will go. Probably in time. And so what he was saying was, I'm not sure how much I'm going to tell you, but maybe in time I'll tell you more. Uh, and then real quick here, it says, uh, this talks about uh, when... The FBI agent Rock Island suggested that Clark might know about the death of a 12-year-old boy who was found in Davenport. And this, so he's saying, you know, this is saying, we've got information. Davenport FBI is curious about this. They want to ask you. So he says, he asked him about that disappearance. And so uh, Clark or Hatcher says, no, I can't, can prove where I was at that time. What date was that? When Hochschlag repeated it was August 1979, Clark scribbled, no, I was in the hospital at that time. The reason I point that out is because Hatcher is willing to admit when he doesn't do something. So it's not like he's just going to throw out, you know, he's going to say, yeah, I did that, I did that, I did that. So I think that's really important to, to point out. Well, um, he's... he's, he's uh... He's enacting ownership and pride for his kills, uh, very much like a, you know, somebody that is looking at it differently. He's not like a Henry Lee Lucas where he's a poser. I mean, Charles Ray Hatcher is a real serial killer that's owning up to the crimes that he committed. Um, so it's interesting how he responds like that. But I, I man, I have something for you that's going to make you jump through a loop. Okay, so should we keep going? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean. Here, here's the Let's, thing. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm just thinking, and I, I think I should do it now because you, you just okay. mentioned that five times he gets out of it because he goes to a mental illness hospital. I just want to point out that we do know for a fact next to Murphy's Cave was a mental mm. health facility. He is nowhere on the sites in 1967 until December. So from 63 to 67, is it possible that he was being detained there or shelf-checked himself in? I think you just... So, so <laughs> uh, people are listening. This is our thought process of when we're not recording, of how <laughs> we're going to go forward with this investigation. <laughs> I think what we need to do is possibly submit a Freedom of Information Request Act to the Hannibal Police Department to see if there's any details of any... Well... We'd have to see about his aliases too. Yeah. But let's put all of his aliases and all of his names down and send that to the, to the Hannibal PD and see if it, it hits anything. Yeah. I mean, what if God imagine what if having he did a something? Yeah. He did something and he was and he did this whole play and he was he was he was put into a mental health facility, which we we still think we haven't got proof. If anybody's out there, there's a building next to Murphy's Cave. It's a brick. Uh, it's a block building, like a stone block building. And we've gotten a little bit of information that at one point in time it was some sort of mental health facility, but we don't have proof of that. So if you have any information about that, please pass that along to us because we're very curious about that. If that is the case, how insane would that be? Hmm. I mean, is that a big, huge accidental coincidence or is there something more to that? Whew, good point, Frank. I'm glad you brought that up right now. Yeah, <laughs> creepy, right? All right, so so let's make that note. We gotta. We're gonna do. Let's do a, a, a FOI for 
um, for that to the Hannibal PD. All right, so let's move on because I think this is important too. This again, talking about the boys and the connection. Um, I, this is where the hiccup comes, and this is why you know I don't have I don't have Hatcher at sixty percent possibility you know i have him at 15 percent, and that's because of one comment he made he wrote this down gave it to to the fbi agent his his quote was 16 total that i know of for sure from the midwest to the west coast that's saying how many people he killed all adults except three all males 13 adults all males so my hiccup to that is he only says that there's only uh all there's there's three children the rest were adults but he admits to 16 again my question would be is what's your definition of adult is it is an adult a a 14 year old boy or is it a Mm. you know because we know his so christian was four uh michelle Steele, which see and that's another point he doesn't admit to that still that's a female and he's not admitting to it he says all males um, he's not even admitting to the Michelle and it might not one. be him. It, it might. It just uh, doesn't make sense for his pattern. What other female was killed that he that he that he ever confessed to? No, no none. I don't Mich- think he killed her. He did ab- try to abduct another girl. Yeah. So in '82, he's abduct tried to abduct other girls before. So remember that I told you with like that four day stretch or three day. Yeah, stretch yeah. The July 28, 29. So 30, he, yeah. in, he had tried to abduct a female the first day, a 19 year old female the first day, and was unsuccessful. And he, I do believe he had another female abduction. I don't have it wrote down in front of me though. Um, attempted, but he was never successful with the females until Michelle Steele. Interesting, um, but. But yeah, that's a good point. That's a uh, I didn't think about that. But again, I want to go back to um, that again. Christian was only four. Uh, you know this. Um, I'm sorry. The again, I'm questioning how old. The what's his definition of a kid? His is it? Uh, you know, ten years under his kids. I'm so think about. You know where I'm going with that. But just keep yeah, that in mind. Sure. But he admits to sixteen. Another thing in the book I just want to uh, highlight real quick is says before he discussed the Christian case, Hatcher gave other more general information to Holtzlag and Denudin, who was another FBI agent that came in later on. Both agents took notes as he described his nomadic life. He told the agent that he had killed 16 people. He said there had been three children and 13 adults, and the killings began in the early 1960s. His quote here is, I kill on impulse. It's an uncontrollable urge that builds and builds over a period of weeks until I have to kill, Hatcher said. It doesn't matter if the victims are men, women, or children. Whoever is around is in trouble. That is chilling. Yeah. I want to go back. I said early 60s are, and this goes back to in, in Queso's, uh, Insco's, I'm sorry, research and even this book's research. The first known killing is 1969 in Antioch. So he's admitting going back to the early 1960s with his killings. That's huge. Okay. Yeah, and then what you said kind of goes back to what we were saying before is, is the impulse, and he says doesn't matter how long it is. Um, you know, he's, he'll do it. Um, and I mentioned that. So, uh, another thing that he says during the confessions, going back to what we were saying about the early sixties, 
he referring to the child of Antioch, that's his definition, this is a quote from him, was either my sixth or seventh murder victim. So again, 1969, Antioch murder was his either sixth or seventh victim. Saying Huge. that he killed he killed either six, five or six people before 1969. And that would have been in Missouri. Midwest. Yeah, he was in St. Joseph. I mean, wow. you got going back to his timeline, if you think about it, he spent most of his life in... It wasn't until 1969 that he left Missouri. This is... It would be a you reason, a child. though, Chris. It would Freaky. be a reason to get out of town with that much attention going around in 1967 with the boys and all that press they were getting to. That's... I don't know, man. Charles Ray Hatcher is is definitely on my radar now. Like that's yeah. There's conflicting information here, but I think that he's of sound mind because I guess he was going for the death penalty because he ends up killing himself anyway. So, or maybe somebody killed him. A hanging in jail is very strange. Uh, it's always under very interesting circumstances. So child offenders and and child killers, they don't make it long. Even Jeffrey Dahmer was killed in in. Uh, in prison so they don't make it long and in, in, in there I well let me point that out real quick and again love this book uh, he goes uh, the author goes into that is that he they so the Missouri State Pen changed things up before this uh, that what they would do was they would have their officers make a determination if it was a murder it was done in-house what happened with his case and what what before he before he was killed before he committed suicide they changed it up to where a outside official had to come in and make the determination if he was killed or if it was a suicide and it was determined by an outside official that it was an actual suicide so i i put a little more credence into it he was in sure. he, was, he was um he was also, gosh, I'm trying to remember. So, I think so. He was put into, so you have general population, and then what happens in, in Missouri State Pen is that you have the general population, then you have another set. So, if you're worried when you first go in and you're nervous that something bad is going to happen to you, you get put into a protective custody in the, in yeah, the state you pen. can always ask for that. You yeah. can't. He did ask for that. Because he was worried about that guy he was telling you about a few years though that he knit he he snitched on, he was still there. So he was worried that he was gonna get offed by that guy, which is weird if you think about it, because he was wanting to die, but he just didn't want to die by him killing him. <laughs> so you could go either way, I guess, really. You could say, Yeah, he was he was possibly killed, but the evidence in the outside uh, re- investigation determined that he wasn't. So anyway, so what I've gar- so what I've garnered from this, Chris, as we kind of wrap up this show, that 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 haunting line, uh, you know, that the agents are asking him, "Did you kill any other children? When was the first murder?" At one point, Hatcher admitted killing another child, but provided no specifics. That happened a long time ago. Hatcher said, "I don't think anybody would remember it." And here's the thing: he's saying this in the eighties. Late 70s. So that's very true. As you've even pointed out on our show this season, these kids weren't in a bank. They, they weren't in, they never found a body. 
they also were never listed as missing or abducted. So if you're telling me that he killed four to five other children or people or kids in the Missouri Midwest area, and we just happen to have three kids missing in 1967 in May, and he's not convicted till December, if you can put Charles Ray Hatcher in Hannibal, you're going to spike your odds. That percentage is going to go way up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and oh, on that note, he claimed he was not in the St. Joseph area from 1968 right. to 1977. So he but actually he was in the Midwest. Yes. So from 1968 to 1977. But that does mean he was in the area in 1967. Um, I'm going to go ahead just real quick here. We're getting towards the end. We're going a little heavy here. Uh, Hobbies passed. The FBI did a psychological profile on Hatcher. A couple things that stuck out in my opinion. His hobbies or pastimes were writing poetry, reading, writes, and devises methods of beating the system. When I read this... The first thing I thought of was our Ray Farrier. <laughs> Again, bringing him up every episode, but I, I, it, I, I feel pretty confident that this is not that he was not Ray Farrier. Um, and another thing he brought up in the FBI psychological profiles, he will assume whatever roles necessary to entrap his victims. Again, we brought up earlier at the beginning of the podcast, he was a security guard multiple times. Uh, he said he was to try to abduct kids. And then finally, I'm just going to do a quick recap, and, and we'll get to, if you have any more questions, Frankie, you can let me know. But uh, we don't, again, know about his whereabouts from 65, September of 65, to December of 67. We do not know where he's at. He also, again, going back to the 16 deaths, he proclaimed the 16 in total. We know four for sure, and that is Eric Christian, Michelle Steele, Churchill, who was the 36-year-old that was found on the side of the riverbank, and Freeman, who was that William Freeman in Antioch, California. There's one questionable one, and we talked about it last episode, was a guy named Therrington who died in the Missouri State Pen. That leaves us with 11, 11 victims that we do not know who they are that have been killed by Charlie Hatcher. Wow. Well, a couple of things, Chris. Yes. This, this is the longest show we've ever done, but you know, it's COVID. People are quarantined. Enjoy the show, guys. Take it, take it, and take it off in chunks. Um, <laughs> here's the thing that really strikes me when I look at the past that what you have here. If you look at his record from 1959 to when he, you know, basically he's still killing in the early 80s here. Um, he's never missed a year where he hasn't killed someone. So the fact that you have some missing information from the 60s to 67, every year after that, he's doing something. He's on some kind of mark. It's almost, yeah, it's almost repetitive. You always see June it is. and July. It's totally repetitive. Yeah. You almost if, he's not, if he's not in a mental illness or he's not in jail, he's killing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Good That's point. That's his urge. So, man, this guy might be higher than 15%, man. This is really creeping me out because yeah, Charles Ray Hatcher might might be somebody. I mean, this was never... Thought. This is not even mentioned in any book. This is something that's completely new information. It is very speculative, but there's no conjecture. I mean, this is the truth. This is what this man is saying. Now, when you look at his hobbies, fooling and connecting the system, gaming the system, he did that pretty well. Mental health facilities. If, if I could have sworn that somebody verified that that was a mental institution right there by Murphy's Cave. Man, if that 
if that's the truth and you can get all his aliases and you can just look at that if it exists if if, if anybody worked there and remembers because they have pictures of charles ray hatcher you know they used to have a guy there named by the name of popcorn don't you remember like mm-hmm. somebody was telling us about this mm-hmm. um used to sit out in the front yard there i mean kids are going and they cut right through remember they cut right through but here's the big question of all the lists and everything that i see on here i don't see where he ever killed multiple people together in a group or anything else right that's a good point it's a very good point and it might be that he did that and it got really sloppy or you know he had to find a way to get rid of these kids but you know oh man he had like 300 400 people searching the ground so there's a lot of speculation there there's a lot of i don't know i mean maybe that's the reason why he heads west you know 1967 he's getting i don't know man well go, this is this is a good yeah yeah go a little good suspect higher. man go a little higher than that i mean you you have well first of all let me go back is is that he does say and i'm trying i was trying to go through all my notes here to find exactly where it was at but he does say that he does he does do. He has killed multiple multiple days in a row. He does say that that he's so you know. If you want to apply it to our situation, say that he uh, does abduct these three boys and then he has three days. He takes them somewhere and he has three days that he does. That. I mean, that's very speculative. So I, I mean, I don't want to go too far down that road, but it's a thought. Um, but I think he's definitely a drifter though, and mm-hmm. opportunistic as well because he has rage issues. So he's an opportunistic killer. Mm-hmm. If he's driving through town, how do we not have any whereabouts of Charlie Ray Hatcher in this time period? Yeah. And once again, the FBI agents in the 1980s aren't talking about the Lost Boys of Hannibal. They're not talking about because they're not on any register. They're not kids that were ever seen as kids that were abducted. These are kids that got lost in the cave. I just don't think that's the case. Yeah. Um, I do have on my, I have a to-do list of stuff to do. It's getting longer every day. I, I do have, I am going to send a uh, freedom of information request to the FBI asking about information about Charles Ray Hatcher in 1967. So that is something we'll do. And then also I think we'll go ahead and do a, a an information request on the Hannibal PD as well to see if any of those aliases pop up. Maybe the Missouri State Patrol as well um, to see where they're at. Here's some good yeah. news. Good news for you is that um, Agent Joe Holtzlag is still around, um, and so we will be reaching out to him and talking with him. He is That'd retired. Be awesome. He did get a promotion, which was kind of cool. He got a promotion, or not a promotion, but a transfer after all this to Hawaii. So he finished out his term in Honolulu. So worked out well for him. And uh, he, I think he's in Texas. He lives in Texas now, so he's retired in Texas. Also, uh, as I mentioned, the prosecuting attorney at that time, he's now retired. He's still a private attorney. He's still in the St. Joseph area. And uh, my question to him is and will be is he had – there's a, a, a sentence in this in this book that says that after all of his research, he had five filing cabinets full of information about Charlie Ray Hatcher. And I, I started drooling, literally drooling at the mouth because that's five, that's five uh, file cabinets or five uh, drawers full of uh, information I want to take a look at because I want to see if we can pinpoint down where he was in 1967. I think it's imperative we get a hold of this author. I think he, that's the guy that you want. There's the, the you know, the, he's a source of truth. Yep. And that's an important important aspect of any true crime show. But Chris, I'm going to have to cut you off at this point. 
because as much as I love you and as much as our audience loves you, I don't want to break any more barriers and rules on our show. <laughs> right. So <laughs> we've gone a lot farther than 37 minutes. That's for sure. <laughs> exactly. So we will be with you very soon in the next two weeks. And we'll have our forensic psychologist on with us discussing the ins and outs of how people kill, why they kill, why, why child molesters molest, and a bunch of other things for you. So from all of us here, the Lost Boys of Hannibal podcast, I'm Frankie Campbelletta. I'm Chris Ketters. And we'll be seeing you.